Hey friends, welcome back to another episode of Deeper Still, the women's ministry podcast of Christ Church of Oak Brook. My name is Sue Ann Camfield and I serve on staff here at the church and I have the joy of being the host of this podcast. So thanks so much for tuning in today. We are so glad that you're here. It has been a long week in the life of our country, and I know we might all be in different places based on the outcome of the election, but if you haven't had a chance to just take a deep breath and and uh, experience God's love and grace in your life, just let's do that today. Let's take a collective breath. Let's remind ourselves that God is good. He is faithful. He is with us. He is for us. He is in the business of bringing hope and redemption in the lives of his people. So let's hold on to that together today before we move forward. All right. Well, I also want to thank all of you who have been bringing in donations for our local food pantry. You guys are just absolutely amazing. So keep being the generous women you are. Keep dropping off those donations as we bless families in need, especially during the holidays. If you have not had a chance to do that yet, there is still time. And you can also learn more about how you can help by following Christchurch Women on Facebook or Instagram or visiting the Christchurch website at Christchurch.us and looking for those shoe boxes in the food pantry and you'll find all the information that you need. Also, I just want to say a huge thank you to all of you who have dropped me a note or an email or stopped me at church on a Sunday morning and shared how much you have been enjoying these podcasts, either in your individual study or as a small group, or if you're Joan and her husband, Jim, who have been riding in the car and listening as they soak in this beautiful fall, I just can't tell you what an encouragement it has been to me and to our guests to hear from you, to know you're listening, you're being challenged by God's word, and you're finding community in the midst of it. So thanks for thanks for letting me know. Keep doing it. Keep reaching out. Let us know you've been listening. Share your feedback, um, because it really does make all the difference. Well, today we are going to continue our conversation on the book of James. And each week, I have to tell you, I am just more and more amazed at how incredibly relevant this book is to the times we are living in. And today's episode is going to be no different. I'm back in the studio today with someone who's become one of our more familiar voices on Deeper Still. I know you all love her because you've told me how much you love her. Chris Stevenson is here with us today, and I'm so glad because I need some help as today we are going to grapple hard with what James has to say to us about the power of our words in James chapter 3. And friends, honestly, I can't imagine a more relevant conversation for today. So if you can't relate to a piece of this conversation, either you're a saint or you're not awake. I'm not sure which it is. So shake yourself a little bit, settle in, grab a Bible or open your Bible app to James chapter 3 if you can. If not, that's okay too. You're always welcome to just listen in and allow God's Word to muddle with you to Today, as together we all go deeper still. Well, Chris, welcome back to uh, our lovely little studio here. It's so fun to see you and be with you today. Uh, how have you been over the last few weeks? You know, I'm probably like everybody else, kind of hanging in there, trying not to spend too much time um, on my phone or the television. I have my oldest son um, is now fully recovered from his COVID diagnosis mm. in Dallas, and so we've we officially have weathered one of those experiences um, and are grateful that he came out on the other side of that. But I have just been um, enjoying this ridiculous weather, which I do yes. believe the temperature drops 40 degrees tonight. So, Oh, did you just, have to say that? I'm sorry. <laughs> I am. And I, I, have to, I have to giggle when you're doing the intro. I was already anticipating our really lovely 
deeper still podcast music. I can hear it in my head now in between. <laughs> and I almost started giggling. So. Oh, I love it. <laughs> I love it. See, so you're at home that. here. Absolutely. <laughs> I love it. Well, Chris, I think last time you were here, which was late September, early October, we, um, it's hard to believe, we talked about the opening words of James um, in, in James chapter one, where you did such a beautiful job in walking us through what it means to consider it pure joy when we face trials of many kinds. And that seems like a lifetime ago. I think we have faced a lot of trials, even in the last, you know, welcome to 2020, the last six weeks, there has been a lot that has been going on. And now here we are at the beginning of chapter three. And I'm just curious, as you've kind of, um, you're one of our small group leaders, as you've led other women through the book of James, is there anything, no pressure, but is there anything that has really stood out to you or just really challenged you or encouraged you as we've gotten? You know, I... I'm just loving the practicality of James. Um, and it's funny because although I know, I think we even said in our intro that a lot of people compare James to being like a New Testament version of Proverbs. And ironically enough, I'm doing a study of Proverbs simultaneously. And literally only this week did I like click back with them like, oh, yeah, I'm like, I keep thinking how these two studies are reinforcing each other. And it's because, oh, yeah, people have been making this comparison. And so I've just been loving the practicality of that. The flip side is that um, because I think James does speak pretty clearly about practical issues, it's also super challenging um, to my own. If I really let it soak in, it's super challenging to my own behaviors and actions. Mm. It's not one I can just kind of fluff off and go, oh, I, I don't really understand that. I'm like, oh, He's talking about words and how we use them. I can't pretend I don't really know. That doesn't that doesn't yes. apply to me. Oh, yeah, it does. Yeah, and I'm still grappling with um, how I'm pretty sure we're supposed to organize, supposed to sell everything we own and, and <laughs> give oh, all of our... You, were killing, you guys were killing me with that in that last <laughs> podcast, man. I'm like, now like, I'm moving on to my words. Like, this is more than I can... I can't change everything all at once. So I'm, I'm trying steps. by the grace of God. <laughs> my goodness. Exactly. Well, I was also laughing, laughing because uh, when I had Aaron Foster here uh, several weeks ago, and I've also heard from many of you of how much you enjoyed him, and I've passed that on to him. And so he, he, he loves getting the compliments from, you know, all our lovely women. Um, <laughs> Um, but it was funny because we talked about um, James one twenty six, and uh, it says, those who consider themselves religious and yet do not keep a tight rein on their tongues deceive themselves and their, religious, their religion is worthless. And Aaron and I laughed because I said, you know what, we're going to hit that in chapter three, so we're going to skip it right now. And now, my here friend, we <laughs> here we are, you and me, Yippee. we are diving into um, James chapter three, verses one through 12. It's all about this the power that this little mushy pink thing that lies in the center. <laughs> Thanks for of, that visual. Yeah, visual, gross, right? Um, that lies in the middle of our mouth. Uh, it has so much power, tremendous power, um, either to bless people or to curse them. We can injure people or we can heal them. We can build them up. We can tear them down. We can bring life or we can bring death. And maybe the scariest thing about that is the choice with how, which one of those directions yeah. we go, it really ultimately lies within each one of us and not, um, not each one of us alone. But what we learn very quickly in James that we'll get to in a minute is that left to our own power, um, we usually choose poorly on what to do with our words. Yeah. 
And so we're going to talk quite a bit today also about why it's so important to have the Holy Spirit and invite the Holy Spirit into our mouths, into our hearts, which is ultimately the place we're going to go, um, because left to our own power, we just don't do this very well. Yeah. And I just want to quickly interject. That's why I love Psalm 1914. And I think so many times in worship services, I've heard a pastor speak this before they start preaching, and it's kind of just washed over me. But it after this study this week, this verse has a new gravity to me, and I think it's a great place to start this conversation. Psalm 1914, may the words of my mouth and the mm-hmm. meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight, O God, my rock and my redeemer. Like, that's how we need to invite God into this conversation, into all our conversations, um, that our words would be pleasing to him and that he would transform our hearts before we speak those words. Mm. Thank you for that. That was, uh, yeah, that's right on point. And I think we can carry that through this this whole conversation today. Um, because where I want to start, actually, I feel like like three different times I say, this is where we're going to start today. So I'm going <laughs> to keep saying like, this is the foundation we need to lay. We need to lay like three different sound foundations. But I just want to remind us, especially for those who are listening, who maybe really struggle with their words, like this is just a stronghold. Um, that you know in your life um, is just not where God wants it to be. So the first thing I want to do, I don't want to guilt you. I don't want to shame you. I don't want to heap um, things on your head. But uh, uh, I think what happens, and James does this immediately in verse 2. We're going to come back to verse 1. But you know, James has been using this you language throughout uh, up until chapter three, you do this, you, you, you. And now all of a sudden James is saying, we, 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 and he's really putting himself in the center of this conversation. And I would imagine this, you know, I'm, 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 this is just my own interjection. This is not, you know, anything scriptural, but maybe James is realizing like he knows he's not exempt from um, this this uh, temptation that we all have to use our words poorly, and and so we just he levels the playing field right away with chapter or verse two, and he says we all stumble in many ways, all of us, right? We are in this together. We all sin. We all make mistakes, and then he says anyone who is never at fault with what they say is perfect able to keep their whole body in check. And so let's just do a quick check, Chris, me, you, everyone listening. Let's like raise our hand, right? Raise even if it's a mental hand. So raise your hand if you've never hurt someone's feelings intentionally or unintentionally with something you've said, right? Raise your hand if you've never lashed out at someone because you were angry, you were jealous, you were stressed out, maybe you misunderstood a situation and you chose to use your words in a poor way. Uh, raise your hand if you've never criticized someone, you've never gossiped, you've never been cranky, you've never been boastful, you've never been condescending, been sarcastic. Like, you get the point, right? All of us have had these moments where, for sure, something flies out of our mouth because of a situation we're in or because the way um, someone else rubbed us the wrong way or something happened and um, something flies out of our mouth that maybe we regret, maybe we don't. That's something maybe we can talk about a little later. That's an interesting point. But I I say that because I think it's important to acknowledge um, right from the top that we all do this. We're all in the same boat together. But I think it needs to be uh, 
the exception to the rule. So the time that we blow up at a coworker in a meeting and say something because we're stressed about the situation or we criticize our spouse incessantly uh, over, over something in front of a large group of people or whatever it may be, I think we need to acknowledge we want those to be the exception to the rule where we realize we did it, we realize we p- chose poorly, uh, we say we're sorry, we confess, we, we make it right, um, rather than we, what James is, is getting at here is we put it in the context of the whole book is that um, we want our words to be consistent with our faith. We don't want to consistently be choosing poorly with our words in a way that, that dishonors God and is not a clear reflection of who we are as followers of Christ. Yeah, and I think... I just love this message of consistency and not because I'm good at consistency, but I think it's we are meant to be transformed. And no, isn't an instant process the minute that you come to saving faith, do all your words fix themselves and you speak kindly and patiently and with blessing over people? Most likely not. But we aren't meant to throw our hands up at this and go, oh, well, can't get that one right. You know what? I just, you know, I kind of tend to fly off the handle and I have my word. We're meant to be intentional about changing this. And the other little interesting nuance I think here too is if by some chance you got through your list of, you know, all those things and you think you've got all those right, then I would also ask you the question, are there ways in which you are supposed to use your words that you haven't used them? Maybe in blessing someone, in standing up verbally to an injustice or something like that. I think the the point is our words are so powerful, mm-hmm. and we need to be mindful of that and mindful in progressing in our use of them in yes. a way that honors God and honors other people. Yeah, because one of the things that was interesting as I prepared for this time, as you know, you do a Google search on the power of words or you know why words matter, and you will get everybody from Gandhi to Buddha to Kim Kardashian to Oprah to C.S. Lewis, all saying the same thing, that words matter, the power of our words, right? Exactly what James is saying, that we have, we can either use them for good or use them for uh, evil and that we need to choose wisely. But I think we want to keep coming back to the reason we're having this conversation in the, in the context of the word and the scriptures and not having it at some self-help conference, right, where people are saying the same thing is because we want to come back to the fact that we don't be consistent, our faith and our actions. And what we say is a reflection of the very character of God and the one who created us, that that throughout the Bible, that God is is um, lays a foundation of the importance of words. And so when we say things, we are reflecting our very creator. And Chris, you had some great, uh, you did, you're always so good at doing your study and your homework, and you had some great insight on this I'd love for you to share. Yeah, and I will I will give, start this with a caveat that there's no original thought in me, although I will say as I, some of this kind of reemerged in some of the studies, it did, did start to take on an even bigger form for me, and I think... You know, you, we start, let's start at the very beginning, a very good place to start for those of you who sound to me. It's funny. Fan. I thought Sally you, Couture, I'm talking to you. <laughs> I thought you were going to say, you know, uh, this, this wasn't original to me, but I actually did come up with most of it. I thought that's where you were going with that. I, you know, I always assume that I have not come up with anything, but that I, you know, I'm one of those. I know I read this somewhere. Um, but if we start at the beginning of 
our holy scriptures in the beginning, God created, and God created with speech. And it's in, you know, if you go through Genesis 1, verses 3, verses 6, verse 9, 14, on and on, in the beginning, he uses words, God said, let there be fill in the blank. And I think that that's intentional. You know, so God, we've seen God use his, his words to speak creation to do existence. We're made in the image of God. And so in that respect, our words have creative power, whether that's, and, and I think we, while James talks about the tongue, I, I think we can extrapolate this to our words in written form mm. or texted form or, you know, our words is an expression of our thoughts in and our social heart. Media form. Social media form. I do. I think, and I thought about that a little bit. I'm like, mm, is that taking it too far? I'm like, no, because I think at the end of the day, our words are an expression. And so whether you're literally speaking them or putting them down, um, we see God go on then and he uses words of speech. There are quotation marks. He doesn't just bless Adam and Eve. He uses words mm. in Genesis 28 through 30 to bless Adam and Eve and get them started, go off, be fruitful, multiply. And in the same way, our words have the power to encourage and to bless other people. God uses speech to command and instruct. Again, go look for those all those quotes. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he starts with Adam and Eve and carries it out. We also use our words that way or have the potential to, to guide and to lead people who are um, either under our authority or under our sphere of influence. You know, fast forward to the New Testament, and if you have a red letter Bible, you can see how much Jesus used his words and teaching the Sermon on the Mount and the parables um, to express God's heart and to give people examples of right living. Our words also have the power to instruct and to teach. Jesus used his speech to heal. And there are some very, if you look at, um, if you literally do a Google search of times when Jesus healed simply using words, such as with the centurion's son, there are times when all it took were his words. And he's like, you don't even, I don't even need to be there. His words were enough to heal. And we may not feel like we see that like in literal physical healing now, but our words absolutely have the power um, to heal and to make people be seen. Mm. And then he used words, you know, it, it just the list goes on and on. He used words to, for correction and for conviction and reprimanding in the temple. Um, and that's sometimes how we need to use our words also. And then I think kind of, and this is where I'll claim my own little bit of original, maybe not thought, but pulling it all together, we go back and Jesus, the prophets, the apostles all use their words to spread the gospel. Mm. And in that, in the Great Commission, he says to go into all the world and teach. And typically we teach, at least initially, using our words. So our words have the power to spread the good news. And that just, um, I, as that kind of image came to me for full circle, it was, it reminds you of how much, it's very empowering. It's also a little bit, I don't know, frightening is the right word, but sobering mm-hmm. to think of every time we open our mouth, the potential that is there, again, as you said, for good or for evil. Well, and I mean, I'm sure all of us think of examples throughout our lives of times where we've been on the receiving end of words that have really injured us, that have really um, stuck with us. I, I mean, I I still think of my fifth grade teacher, Mr. Fayetta, and he, uh, I actually loved my fifth grade class, but he called me a space cadet 
on and on. Today you wouldn't get away with that, right? But I was one of those kids. For some reason, I I was always I don't know. I was probably very annoying. I was always raising my hands. I was asking <laughs> questions. I wasn't overly studious, but I think I'm curious. I'm just curious by nature, and so I think I would probably ask a lot of dumb questions and probably didn't listen well. I don't know. And so he would constantly tell me I, like I would do that in the whole front of the whole class he would call me a space cadet and I can hear him he would say space cadet space cadet and he would you can see me he would shoot like an air gun with his finger and and the whole class would laugh at me and so what a horrible story oh I'm telling right now this if those of you listening to this could see my face right now my jaw is like dropped do we have any therapists out there that can come talk to me about this but I, you know, I, that image and how it's, it's, it's put a narrative throughout my life that I keep having to come back to the truth of who I am, of how I'm created, of what I'm, what I'm good at, what I'm not good at, but that I'm not a a stupid person. I'm not unintelligent, but I can tell when I get into places where I feel like I'm just not smart enough. I hear his voice and I think, no, I got to correct that with truth. But I mean, that is, it's scary. Like you said, it's scary to think the power that we have to um, do that to other people. And at the same time, you pointed out so many good things. And we're going to probably talk more about the negative and for a little bit. We're going to focus on that. But the good things, the strength and the power and the redemption that can come from when we use our words in a way that God, God um, put inside of us yeah. to do. Yeah. And I think, you know, the fact that John 1 is one of my favorite chapters of the Bible and that, you know, in the beginning was the Word and the Word is Jesus. And so God's intent for our words um, is a glorious thing. And I'm glad that we're going to circle back around to that. But I think we we need to start. I mean, James's concern here is with the the warning. And so I think that's not a, a bad place to start so that we, you know, are it helps us to be mindful of how to to really rein and harness that power. Yes, yeah. And the warning that James gives us in um, verse 1, he says, not many of you should become teachers. So he immediately is talking to people who have authority, who specifically, again, in this context, who have authority uh, with God's word. <laughs> and so what they're saying specifically, uh, not many of you should become teachers, my fellow believers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. Now, speaking as a teacher, that's that's terrifying, terrifying. Um, but I, what I want to do is share a little context of why this was so important of what James was saying to his audience is because in the early church, teachers were some of the most important people. And if you think about it, it makes sense because we've said over and over that this is a brand new community of believers. They're trying to figure out this new life together. They have new rules. They have new structures. They have new traditions. They have new social mores. They have new theology. Everything is new. And so the teachers were the ones who were really in the trenches with these new congregations in order to teach them this new way of life. People like Paul and Barnabas would come in, and yeah, they stayed for a while in different places to get things going, but they um, sometimes were more the missionaries. They were the guest pastors that would come in and give the awesome sermon, and then they would leave, and the pastor is the one who has to do the daily hard work. I I think of all the kindergarten teachers or elementary school teachers I know that are literally, I'm thinking of Beth Nolan right now, hi Beth, uh, on the floor with her, you know, kindergarten, first grade students, teaching them how to tie their 
their shoes and, and do scissors and all of these things. And that's the hard work of teaching. And James knows that. And he's, he's saying right now that you are in the trenches. You are teaching people this new way of life, new way of faith that they've never done before. And so you need to be really careful that you know what you're doing. And um, just an interesting fun fact so rabbi, we hear this word over and over again in the New Testament. People called Jesus rabbi, which means teacher or great one, that in the, in the ancient times, a rabbi had such an incredible amount of influence and authority that they were actually greater than the parents. So the teacher was above the parents. I found this great little quote that says, um, the rabbi was above the parents because parents brought a person into the world, but a rabbi would usher them into the world to Ooh. come. Okay, so that's the responsibility. And so I started to think about this because um, there's also lots of warnings throughout the New Testament. We look at letters of Paul and Peter who are warning against false teaching. False teaching in the early church was a really big problem, and and, um, they keep warning against it. And James is giving this warning here to the teachers um, to make sure they get this right. But if we expand beyond that, because I don't want people who think, well, okay, then I'm not, I don't teach God's word or I'm not, I don't have that in kind of influence. So this counts me out. But I love something that I read uh, in Beth Moore, oh, her study that said that all of us have the capacity to mislead others. And especially as believers, when we think about whether we're the Sunday school teacher or the small group leader, or we're having a conversation with our neighbors who don't know Jesus, and we say things like, well, the Bible says, or, well, I think God would want you to, um, you know, when we say those things, I'm not saying those are bad things, but there is a certain level uh, we need to check ourselves and let's not say the Bible says if we actually don't know what the Bible says because we could be misleading people unintentionally, but misleading people actually in a in a way that presents an image of God as Father that is not correct. Yeah, I think that is that's so important. And, and Jesus himself spoke to this. You know, he said in three of the different gospels when he talked about if anyone misleads these little children, it would be better for them if a millstone were tied around their neck. Oh. And so the, it's serious business that, I, and I know this is something I have to be really careful of because, not because I would ever intend to mislead someone, but kind of to your point, I think my tendency, and I think other people, I'm guessing, have this too. We sometimes want to fill in the gaps of the stuff that we don't know or we're not confident in, so that we can be perceived as knowledgeable, confident, wise, moral, you name it. And I have to be really, really careful that I don't do that. Mm. Be confident in what you know. And guess what? How do you know more about what God's word says? Read God's word. <laughs> um, but like, I have this is a, a real gut check to me because my tenants, you know, I, I mentor high school girls. And if they ask me something, I need to be sure that it lines up with God says and not just is like, oh my gosh, it's so cool that they're asking me this mm-hmm. question. Let me make sure I give them a really good answer that sounds good and smart. Oh, and that they'll like too. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's it. This is not just pa- while he is speaking to pastors or rabbis at the time who are standing in front of groups of people. Absolutely. We all have areas of influence. And in that respect, you're, everyone is a teacher. Yeah, yeah. And when we do mess up in those places, to be able to come back then and correct it. Yes. Or to say, you know what, I said that, but I actually don't know what I'm talking about. So let's figure this out together yes. or, or, or find a different way, but don't just leave it leave it hanging out exactly. there. Exactly. Yeah, I've, I've had to do that as a teacher plenty of, yes. plenty of times. <laughs> 
So he, he addresses the teachers. He's, we've already said, he says, we all stumble. We're all going to make mistakes. So we're all in the same boat. And then he uses these three um, analogies. Uh, starting in verse, I think, verses three through six. And I'm wondering, Chris, do you think that's too long to read that whole thing? <laughs> I don't think it is at all. Okay. Do you, will you read it for me? I would be glad to. When we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal. Or take ships as an example. Although they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue also is a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body, sets the whole course of one's life on fire, and is itself set on fire by hell. Mm, Those are some pretty strong words. Yeah. (laughs) Pretty strong words, speaking of words. Uh, I love that he gives us three different images. And so it's like all of these images would have um, meant something to his audience. But I also love that even as we listen today, they probably mean something different to each one of us, whether we have experience with a horse or we can picture what that looks like to put the bit of a horse in its mouth. And just, uh, I grew up with horses. Mm-hmm. I fell off a lot of horses. I, I had horrible, I'm, I'm scared of horses today. That's another one of my trauma stories because <laughs> I've had so many bad experiences. But it just takes a little, you don't got to yank too hard. You just, a little bit to direct these big animals. He uses this example of a rudder on a ship. I have the image of the scene in Titanic when they know they're going to hit the iceberg. Do you know what I mean? Yep. And they're downstairs like furiously trying to turn the ship. And there's the people on the deck who are just watching like, are we going to hit it? Are we going to miss it? And they didn't turn it enough. And and you think that huge ship is being turned by just that little rudder. And guess yeah. what? They slammed it to the Titanic because they didn't turn it enough. Or a fire. I mean, I, I grew up on a farm. We burn fires all the time. We see images right now of the fire, the fort, the uh, forest fires and the the wildfires out west and, and that little spark and what that does. And so I love that he gives us these three different images. I don't know if you have anything you want to grab onto in one of those. You know, I think I think the forest fire is probably the most vivid. And it, again, especially because in, in recent months, we've been kind of inundated with some of those images. And I, I think I read this. See, here I go. I think I read this somewhere. But, you know, like with a spark... It, the whole thing starts on fire. Just the other day, I, I had a piece of, why did I have a piece? Maybe it was parchment paper near the stove and the little edge of it caught on fire. And the next minute, I had a, the huge piece of parchment paper that I was like running to the sink. Um, but somewhere I read that water, like that's fire is one of the few th- things that does that, that that little spark mm. blows up. If you put a drop of water on the ground, it, it sits there and it soaks into the water and even a flood. And it, it, so it's just... It's really intentional imagery, I think. Mm. And, um, you know, people then were as afraid of fire, probably, if not more so, I would imagine, than we are. You know, the cities they lived in were often built of, you know, buildings were built of wood and there weren't fire stations that could, you know, fire hydrant in every corner. So I'm sure this was a real powerful mm. image. And um, and we've all seen how destructive fire can be. Mm-hmm. So to me, I think that that's the one that sits the most because it has the most power for destruction in it. And yes. I think that's just the point he's getting at. Yeah. And, and the fact that all of these things are really small, right? And they have this enormous power. And I, I think of, you know, even times if you've been in a large group of people and one person says something that 
it just can kill the whole mood or change change the whole temperature of the room based on that. When we look at our current political climate, right, regardless of whose side you're on and you see some of the words and the rhetoric that is used and just what that can do um, and how injuring that can be to people. And it just, um, yeah, it's great imagery. Yeah. Well, and I think, you know, personalize it because it's always easy to you know, look out there and see the examples. And one of my kids is is especially um, impacted by words. And I have watched my words like that, just shut her, her face down, dissolve her into tears. And it could be, easy, oh, well, she's too sensitive. No, I used words that were, you know, hurtful. And whether my thought about them being hurtful, but like you can just watch. And I think most of us has, have done that. Watched our words take the person in front of us and just mm. dissolve them. And that, as a parent, that's a heartbreaking thing to do. Um, as a in a friendship, uh, any relationship, I think, um, yeah. And it it's, might be one one word, one of the millions of words you say in a day. It might be the one word that. And those are hard things to correct. I think that's why. And again, we all do it. We all make mistakes. We all hopefully say we're sorry and set things right. But those are really hard things to say to someone. I didn't, you know, I didn't mean it like that or I didn't mean it to have that effect. And yet it's hard. You can't undo it. You can't. Uh, I happen to be one of those people that's super sensitive to words. I have a child, also a son, who is wired just like me. And so I can tell when someone says something and I see that look on his face, I know oh boy. And over the long period of time, that can create, again, a narrative that goes in our heads that tells a story about who we are uh, and who we are as children of God that is not true. And so I think, I think, um, I didn't really think of this before we had this conversation, but the importance of correcting immediately as soon as we can, keeping short accounts so that that narrative doesn't, it doesn't turn the whole ship, right? It corrects it. Yeah. Well, and I think that's a great way to tie into that idea of a of a rudder or the, the horse's bit it's because those are things that that you can correct um and you know the very and very small corrections it doesn't have to the very small correction can take it off course and come back and if you catch it quick you know before it goes too far you can correct yes. it and and get it back yeah. out of the right direction yeah yeah for sure um and so james goes on then in verse seven and i i, I kind of well seven through ten and so he he first tells us to recognize the danger of the tongue. So recognize that we have power, recognize the danger of misusing it, um, and then recognize the inability to control it. And I had to laugh a little bit at this because verse seven says, you know, all kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, sea creatures are being tamed and have been tamed by mankind, but no human being can tame the tongue. And it's funny when we think even today, we have we have people that can tame the wildest of beasts. I think, okay, if I was thinking, okay, if Joe Exotic, okay, <laughs> if Joe Exotic can tame a tiger, like, I don't know, I don't know what to do with that, but we have people of, of all different um, walks of life that can tame really large, dangerous, literal animals. And yet um, we need to have the humility to realize that even on our best days, that sometimes it's so hard to, we're prone to wander, right? Prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. It's so hard um, to, our natural instinct is to curse others. And I don't mean literal cursing, right. but to go with the sarcastic route, the gossipy route, the, um, you know, this, the, the 
criticizing the negative, it's so much easier to say those kinds of words sometimes. I don't know why that is. I think it's just hard for us to to not go the opposite direction. And the first words that come out of our mouth to be those words of encouragement and, and blessing. Yeah, and I think, uh, you know, and we've ta- touched on this a little bit, let's keep in mind here that a, a, an issue of the tongue is a heart. It's an mm-hmm. issue of the heart. And we're going to talk more about that. But um, I think back to a part of Isaiah when he says, you know, woe to me, I'm a man of unclean lips. Mm-hmm. But again, God is a God of mercy and grace, and he doesn't leave us there. And even with Isaiah, when Isaiah says that, he comes back to him and he has a response. He has the live coal and he says, you know, there is, there's healing and there's redemption in this. And that's, of course, you know, foreshadowing of Jesus and how he does that for us. So I think one of the ways that we address this, you know, from the very beginning is we just, we surrender it to God and ask for that daily, you know, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight. And just make that daily, lay at his feet daily. Um, because unless you're holed up in a vow of silence monastery somewhere, mm-hmm. you're going to use your words every day. Yeah. And there's probably aren't too many other things in your life that you do every single day, mm. but your words are one of them and making that daily intention to surrender them. I'm saying that right now thinking, oh, wow, I really need to probably be doing that, <laughs> but it, it, you use them every day. I never thought of that, actually. I heard, I heard someone say, one of the pastors I listened to recently said, um, that we spend a fifth of our day talking. I think that's right. A fifth of the day is just words. And then he went on to say, like a normal person, if we were gonna um, throughout our life, we would we would fill, oh my gosh, how many books with two hundred and fifty words or with uh, this many words each that we would fill like two hundred and some books. Wow. If you just wrote down all of our words, so we got lots of opportunity to bless and lots of opportunity. Yeah. Wow, curse. that's crazy to think about. And some right? of us probably have. I'm and sure, he, that's what he said. Yeah. He's like, and some of us have way more than that. I think my family would probably throw yeah. me on that column. <laughs> I love it. Um, so then he goes on. So we know, okay, we 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 need God's God's power to control our tongues. We can't do it on our own. And then he goes on to verses 9 through 12, which are some of my favorite verses in this passage because I think it just hits it home and it's so clear. And he says, um, With the tongue we praise our Lord and Father, and with it we curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers and sisters, can a fig tree bear olives, a grapevine bear figs? Neither can a salt a salt spring produce fresh water. I think I read with Beth Moore, uh, she said we have the choice to either be a fountain a fountain or a uh, fire. And I thought, hmm, that's some good imagery there. But you also had some really good thoughts on this passage. Yeah, well, and I love that we are going to take this back to who James is. Who's writing this? James, first of all, he's Jesus' brother. And Jesus used the, a lot of this kind of imagery too when he would walk by and you know see fruit bearing trees and not fruit bearing trees and it, and then it goes back just to our previous chapter in James 2 but James is also a Jewish man and steeped in the stories of Jewish you know the the Jewish scriptures and there's a story that you may remember um, back from Exodus when Moses had led the Israelites out of Egypt and they were wandering in the wilderness and they could only find bitter water. And it's the Greek word that's used here um, 
about the the bad the bad spring, the salt water. That water that word is um, also translated as bitter, which in Hebrew is mara. And these, you know, these Israelites came to Moses as it seems like they so often did, complaining, we don't have any, you know, where's, where, there's no, only bitter water, what are we going to drink? And Moses goes to the Lord because he knows where the answer to all the questions really comes from. And God shows him how to find or to transform in this case that bitter water into sweet water. And so the language is the very same. And I loved in that that the the what Moses did was went to God who then God the word there is literally showed or instructed him how to transform the bitter to the sweet mm. and is that not what we need to do with our tongues and with our words is you know take them to God and show show me how to take this bitter and turn it sweet yes i i'm I'm thinking, I don't know why I have this image, which now I'm thinking I'm going to regret even saying we might cut this part out. But of uh, I have this agave syrup in my cabinet that I use for um, my coffee in the morning. And I'm just imagining every day putting a little drop on my finger and putting it on my tongue as a reminder, uh, because the, the Greek word for sweet is glycos, which we get glucose. And I thought... Yeah. That would be a, a practical way of this God putting um, sweeten my words right? to others, and yeah, I think that's actually a really Honey. beautiful. You know, we're all we all learn different ways, and yeah. that would be such a tangible. You know, when you're making your coffee in the morning, yeah. If anybody else has blue agave syrup raw from Trader Joe's in their cabinet, let's do this together. You let me know how it goes. <laughs> um, you know, the other thing that I uh, learned from this passage that I thought was very interesting is this, uh, again, think about James and who he is and who he's speaking to and the Jewish culture, that this would have been especially relevant to them because whenever the name of God was mentioned, a Jewish person had to say, blessed be he. Blessed be he. So three times a day, a devout Jewish person person would repeat 18 prayers called eulogies. And every one of those prayers then began with, blessed be thou, O God. So when I did the math, uh, so if there were 18 prayers, you said them three times a day. So 54 times a day, you are saying, blessed be thou, O God. Not to mention if anyone mentions God's name throughout your day, you're saying, blessed be thou, O God. Blessed be thou, O God. So this would have had a very particular relevance because he's literally saying, you you bless God maybe 54 times a day, yeah. <laughs> if not more. And then how do you turn around and treat people? And this goes back to what we've been learning about how, how some people were treating, uh, whether people of lower social class or how they were speaking to one another or all of these different um, social interactions that would have been happening that were very not normal inside the church. And um, the fact that, that he would have been calling them to say, it would have been very clear to them to say, you literally are, are blessing God on one side of your mouth. And then you're using the other side of your mouth to curse this neighbor that we've said clearly, and Jesus said clearly that you were supposed to love. Yep. Well, bring bring it back to the 21st century here, Sue Ann. <laughs> I think I, we do it, and I think you know one of the the critiques of Christians sometimes is this very thing that you know we are speaking of God and speaking of Christ-like things. And then turn around and maybe again, maybe it's not actual like curse or swear words, 
but using words towards others in a way that is anything but honoring the image of God in them. And mm. and I somewhere in my pile of notes, you know, it talked about that idea of is it even possible to bless God when you're cursing a person made in his image? Like it's like they cancel each other out almost because that's not just a a random individual on the face of the earth. That's somebody that God intent whether they are a believer or not, somebody that God created in his image. Mm-hmm. And it just, it, it, you can't, he's telling us, you can't have both yes. and, and have an abundant faith. And again, it's not, he's already made it clear, we're not going to do this perfectly. Mm-hmm. But we need to be really, really mindful of that. You know, and I'm, I'm thinking of um, First John 4, right? You can't, you can't say that you uh, love God and hate your brother, it's the same idea yep. that our words communicate this, that that's how deep our words can go is how we view other people as an image created as the image of God, as our brothers and sisters, regardless of whether they're believers or not, right? right? That that everybody is created in the image of God. And so we need to, we need to treat them as such in yeah. our words. Are one of the ways we treat people. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, wow, that's really good stuff. So let's go to this core issue that we keep bringing up, that really the core issue here really does go back to our hearts and that um, what comes out of our mouth, I feel like I say this to my kids a hundred times over and over, (laughs) that what comes out of your mouth is a reflection of your heart, that when garbage comes out, uh, it's because there's something else going on inside your heart. And I, I, I have this conversation with my kids when they um, argue with me about whether what makes a swear word a swear word. I mean, it's like the dumbest conversation. I'm like, why are we even having this? But I say, well, you could. Okay, so you, so you could choose to say those words. Are there not better ways to reflect what's inside of you and who God created you to be than using curse words? And, you know, they don't know what to say. They're like, oh, mom, you're so stupid, whatever. (laughs) Like, I say that to, or when they make coarse jokes or things they think are funny. And in my house, I always say, no, is that kind or encouraging? Like, it's going to be the one refrain that my kids are going to say till the day they die. Like, no, mom, is that kind or encouraging? And they say it back to me. But it is just that way to continually remind that it is a deeper issue that that is an indication of our hearts. And Jesus talks about this in Luke um, chapter six. He says, a good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart. So when there's good stuff in our heart, that's what's going to come out. And on the flip side of that, an evil man brings evil things out of an evil stored up in his heart. For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. I love that. And I love, I'm so glad you read the first two part, the the lead into that. Because I think out of the overflow of the mouth, the heart speaks. Like that's almost, I've heard that in non-faith-based settings. But I love that idea of what we store up. And Jesus talks about what we store up a lot, you know, storing up treasure on earth versus storing up treasure in heaven. And I think that's part of the way he's going to empower us in this way and not make us feel like, well, I just, I can't help it. What comes out, what comes out. We need to seek to store up what's good in our hearts and you think about think on think up brothers think on these things whatever is good whatever Mm. is you know wholesome and that what what goes in comes out plain and simple yes so we have some uh, we have some work we can do 
to help ourselves in that direction. It's not, it doesn't need to be a magical transformation because he's told us this is, mm. this is how you, part of how you change it is by what you put in. Yeah. I was listening to, uh, I know we've referenced this Matt Chandler study alongside of this that uh, you and I, I think both have watched some of his sermons on this. And he said, you know, if you are, if you are um, like, God doesn't make this a guessing game that if we are a person who is constantly anger, angry, there's probably anger in our heart. And if we are someone who's always criticizing people, there's probably some critical things in our heart. Like we don't have to guess like, oh, where did that come from or why? I mean, sometimes, right? Like when it's, again, it goes back to that consistency. We all blow up or we all do things out of stress or when we're not our best selves, we all do that. But if that's the consistent way you walk through this world, that is an indication that there's something going on in our hearts that we need to, there's a bigger issue happening that we really need to sit sit with God about and, and talk to him yeah. a little bit more about. For sure. And I think, again, we don't do it without an instruction manual. That's, yes. you know, there's, you go back to Proverbs and I mean, the list of Proverbs about controlling your tongue and what, you know, is inside is what comes out and what to prioritize we're not left to do this blind. And I want that to be an encouragement to anybody who's listening. Again, don't, you don't have to just throw your hands up at this and go, oh, bummer, I just am not going to ever get this right. Well, we're never going to get it perfectly right, but we sure have a lot of tools, uh, the most important of which, of course, is the whole, inviting the Holy Spirit into it Yes, himself. Yeah. One of the biggest lessons I had when I was younger, so when Eric and I were uh, uh, earlier married, we were living in Ohio, our kids were little, and I was part of this mom's group. We have t- we had two moms who were probably my age now, who I thought were so much older. You know? So much now older. They were, now I realize how young and hip they were. Um, but they, we would uh, all leave our children home sleeping. We would go to their house at 6.30 in the morning, and they would light candles and have breakfast for us. And we would do a Bible study together. It was my mom's group. And I just, I, I love and cherish those women um, so much. And one of the things I remember one time we were, I think we were all complaining a little bit about our husbands or having those, you know, marriage conversations <laughs> um, in one of those contexts. And I, I don't know who said it, if it was me or someone else that said, uh, you know, I just need to learn to bite my tongue. And I will never forget her stopping and saying, Mm-mm, this is not about biting your tongue. This is not about just, you know, suppressing that. This is about changing your heart. And I, I, I mean, that was 20 years ago. I will never, well, it wasn't quite that long ago, but I will never forget. And I'm so thankful that she used her words to yeah. correct. Like that was a moment of correction that was not, it wasn't rebuking or shameful. I mean, she just said, what you're saying is not right. This is an issue of your heart. I'm like, well, well, that's way harder than biting my tongue. Oh, that is so, oh, I, that's so good. Isn't that good? Yeah, because biting it, again, biting your tongue isn't going to get to the heart issue. Exactly. Because it's, it will come back out, you know, yeah. again, and it'll probably come out louder and harder and meaner and yeah. whatever. Yeah, a- absolutely. Oh, and then that. you never deal with the, the stuff. I, now I'm thinking I had another friend. I'm just thinking the way women have used words good to me. And I, um, Another friend who I, I was very young, uh, I was in my early 20s, she was, she was older, and uh, I, it was like, I still kind of like that juicy, gossipy tidbit, like, I, I, you know, it was like, ooh, let's, you know, did you hear? And then I wanted to, like, really have a conversation about it. And I just remember she refused to ever enter into those conversations. And she would always say, well, have you thought about this? Or have you, have you thought maybe she 
had a bad day or she would always bring and I was like I would get irritated with her like inside because I'm like man you just won't enter you won't enter this like juicy place with me where I want to use my words in that way and she just would always stop me dead in my track and I just those are two examples of people that I just remembering using their words using their influence to to correct me in a way that just brought me back to this truth that it's so much more about um there are so many deeper things going on than than just simply what comes out of our mouth. Oh, that's so uh, so good to have people who have modeled that for you and then who have used their words to articulate it. You know, I think that's going way back to the beginning of our whole conversation and your conversation with Dan in the opening podcast mm. of Deeper Still, that idea of influence is just brought home so beautifully in this context of words, and we all know influence in and of itself is is a neutral word. Mm-hmm. There's good influence and there's bad influence. And your words and the power that they have to influence people is powerful. So use use your words in that powerful, beautiful way that they can to be influenced. And if you're a you know, if you've ever done love languages and you're a words of affirmation person, we've got a couple of those in our mm-hmm. house. Um, you know what a blessing it is when somebody speaks words of affirmation in you. And so don't ever, I think sometimes people are afraid that, you know, there's, there's false compliments or whatever, but like speaking really intentional words to build someone up and also really intentional words to kind of correct their path. Mm -hmm. Those are just, don't miss out on the opportunity to do that. Those are, those are great moments. And, and I think that's part of what um, God calls us to do. Mm -hmm. Yeah, to do it, it to encourage one another, to build one another up, to remind each other who we are. And and I think when we receive those words, we are less likely then. It's part of changing our hearts. Yep. When we receive those things and we receive blessing and we receive all of the, the goodness of, of the blessing of words, I think it changes our hearts in a way where we are more apt to use that power in the lives of other people. Yeah. Um, I'm th- I know I'm telling a lot of stories today, but I just keep thinking of, <laughs> of stories on, on both sides of this equation. And, and I've told this story in our women's ministry before, but I just I, I think of um, Adele Calhoun, which many of you know, she used to be on staff here at the church. She's a pastor now out in um, Massachusetts and runs a retreat center. But uh, I was young here. I just started teaching. I was a volunteer teacher at our well Bible study community. Uh, she asked me to teach uh, because her and Tracy Bianchi, who was one of the other teachers at the time, were going to be at an all-day staff meeting, and they needed someone to fill in. And I remember thinking, when they asked me to fill in, um, oh, great, at least they won't. I was nervous as heck, and I thought, at least they won't be able to hear what I have to say. Like, the, the, you know, if I, if I bomb it, they're never going to know. And a couple days afterwards, I got a phone call from Adele, and she said, can you come to my office? I want to talk to you. And I was like, oh, no, that's it. What did I do? <laughs> and uh, of course, I know now that it was recorded. And so she had listened to it. So she did hear my words. And I went into her office. I sat on her blue couch. And I just thought, oh, gosh, she is going to correct me. She, I said something wrong. I, did, I, I didn't do a very good job. And truth be told, it's one of my first times teaching. I probably didn't do a great job. I mean, it was uh, I, I don't remember, but I'm sure it wasn't like my best ever. And I was still learning. And she said, um, she didn't correct me. She said, let me tell you what I see in you. 
And she went on to speak words of encouragement uh, in my life that really, uh, it's one of the reasons I'm sitting here today mm-hmm. and one of the reasons that I, I preach and I teach and I'm so passionate about it because God had, had kindled a gift in me that I wasn't sure what to do with. I knew I needed to start exercising it, even though I wasn't, you know, I wasn't very uh, proficient at it yet. And she didn't wait for me to be good. You know, she didn't wait till I figured it out. She entered into that place and said, let me tell you what I see in you. And she just went on to bless me. And it really did talk about the the small thing that can change the ship. Those words she spoke over me, I have carried. And every time I get it wrong and every time I screw up and every time I feel the weight of my words and say, I'm never doing this again, I come back to that moment with her and how she blessed me and how she reminded me the truth of how God's created me. And I'm like, that is that is the good side. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. Yes. Proverbs 18:21. It's like that power that power of life is there and um is meant to sh- those life-giving words are meant to be shared both yes. from Adele to you and then you have then shared so many life-giving words with others because that trickle down effect. That's it's such a beautiful thing to bear witness to. You know the power of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, Chris, I feel like we could talk about this all day long. I just want to keep talking about it. This is so- I know. Well, and in, in fairness, we are both words girls. I was, <laughs> like, I was thinking of this. I'm like, I am nothing if not a words girl. So doing this is just so much fun. We could neither, keep going. Neither of you will ever end this. Co- neither of us will ever end this conversation because we love our words so much. We're just gonna keep on talking. But I do hope that as people are listening, they're just they're getting this right. And yeah. and again, I I just wanna I wanna end on the play of reminding everybody that God is the redeemer of our words. He was the creator of our words. He is the originator of words, the source of our words. He is also the redeemer of words. And so wherever you find yourself on this scale of um, either you're pretty good at this and you feel pretty good about how you're using your words and you need to apologize sometimes (laughs) versus the person who really like this is this is a hold in your life and you know you watch the words come out you watch the damage they cause and you're just not sure how to fix it just lean into god let him start changing your heart ask him where uh where he needs to uproot some things that need to be changed and trust him that he still can redeem this piece of your life this does not need to be your story forever and ever yeah well and and david platt who is one of the the teachers and commentary guys that i have been um, looking at throughout this whole study said, have this great quote that I wrote down that I think is a really neat place to kind of land the plane. He said, all of us, all of us are guilty of sinning with our words. And if we're honest, James's warnings in this passage can leave us feeling condemned. But this is where I want to encourage you. In light of your sin is to recognize God's provision for the imperfect words that we have spoken and the imperfect words we have believed. God speaks in creation. Satan speaks in the fall, but then God speaks again in redemption, and God has the last word. Hmm. The word of God is the ultimate solution to our word problem. And that just, I thought that was such a great way to kind of pull it all together and leave us with some hope. I know I invited you here today for a reason. <laughs> that was that was the perfect, perfect way to end us. So Chris, thanks so much for being here. I always appreciate you, and uh, you bless me so much with your words, and I know you bless other people. So thanks so much for spending your afternoon with me. Well, thank you. Thanks for letting me use a few of the words I have stored up and letting them spill out. Amen. 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 
Well, friends, thanks so much for joining us today. I hope that gave you a lot to think about. Uh, I, I think it did. Hopefully you're chewing on this. And for those of you who are working through this in a small group discussion, I do have a feeling you're going to have a lot of good things to talk about this week. So be honest with one another, encourage one another, challenge each other where you need to, but uh, take a good dive into this um, lesson because I think it's important and I think it's important to talk about. Well, this is actually our last installment of James until after the new year. So we're going to push pause as we enter into the holiday season and kind of regroup. And then we're going to come back in January 2021. So we will finish out the book of James, but I just want you to know we're going to take a little pause here as we enter the holiday season. But if you've missed some episodes, this is the perfect time to catch up on what you've missed. Go back and listen to that one that you didn't get to listen to. And also, it's a great time to share these podcasts with a friend, invite them into this conversation. It's not too late to join. It's never too late to join. And so go ahead and pass this on. Be sure to follow us and like us and listen. And we would love to continue to get this word out because I've heard some, so many of you how much this podcast has meant to you. And so take this time as we enter into the rest of the year and share it with a friend or two. Well, uh, next week, we do have one more episode we're going to record. Even though we're done with the book of James for now, we are going to do one final episode in which I'm going to interview pastor, speaker, author, uh, social media, kind of extraordinaire if you follow her on social media, Tara Beth Leach. And Tara Beth used to be the women's director here on staff at Christ Church. God called her out to California to be the senior pastor of a church called Paznas for the last five years. And she just recently moved back to the area and has joined the Christ Church staff as an associate pastor. And we could not be more thrilled. So her and I will be talking next week about her journey, about what God has been teaching her and what she's look for, looking forward to in 2021. I promise you, you do not want to miss uh, her voice and her words. So be sure to tune in next week. Well, friends, thanks again for being with us today. Choose your words wisely, encourage one another, build one another up and go in peace. Have a great day. Oh,